Well, good morning, everyone. If you'll be making your way into the auditorium, we are so glad you are here, both live and those that are online. Hey, you know I love to do this. Would you mind standing? Let's all greet one another. Let your brothers and sisters know you're glad they're here. <laughs> One, three, four. Sorry? Thank you, thank you. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before Him. Heaven and earth adore Him. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before Him. Heaven and earth adore Him, what a mighty God we serve. Amen. Please be seated. There is beyond the azure blue a God concealed from human sight. He tinted skies with heavenly hue and framed the worlds with is great mind. There is a there is a God. He is alive. In him we live. And we survive from dust our God. Created man. He is our God. The great I There was a long, long from his inspired word. There is a God, there is a God, he is alive, in him we live, and we survive from dust our Savior God to thee, how great thou art. 
forest glades I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation, the elders if I could get up and make an announcement about a special activity that we have coming up. So we, a couple of years back, my family took several of our widows on a date night, and we had an absolute blast, and we're going to do that again this year. Next Saturday, January the 29th, uh, we're going to have our young men involved uh, from our youth up through our youth group, and we're going to take our widows on a date night. And so many of you have been called and talked to to see if you were going to be available to attend. If you haven't been contacted yet, you will be. And so we will get you a personal invita invitation to be a part of this. Uh, the plan is for our youth to pick you up around 4.30. We're going to go to tra Traditions Restaurant, uh, meet there about 4.30, and then eat around 5. And so, again, some of our young people will come pick you up. Uh, one of the favorite things that we had from our last date night uh, was we had our kids take flowers. Well, one of our widows got a cactus. And I, I don't know if it's still alive or not, but we had a great time. We've never stopped talking about it. So, again, that is this coming uh, Saturday, January the 29th, around 4.30. And if you have not been contacted, you will be. Uh, but if for some reason we've missed someone, I apologize. I'm doing the best I can do to get the list together. Uh, but we will contact you and hope that you can make it. Uh, we, we will use this in two aspects, to show you the honor uh, that you're due and then also to teach our kids how to have conversations on a date, how to have conversations without phones, uh, how to sit down and carry a conversation. So we're using this for several different reasons, uh, but it is to honor you uh, and to show you the honor that you're due. And so we want to have a great time. Please let me know if you need any special um, vehicle, circumstances, things like that for us to get you there because it, it, we will pick you up at your house, we will eat, and then we will take you back home to your house. Uh, so again, 4.30 next Saturday, let me know uh, if you have any questions at all. So. Good morning. Uh, I know myself, but I know the rest of the elders would be included. We want to thank Kelly and his crew for for doing this. I mean, it's exactly uh, what the church is, teaching and uh, showing appreciation to each other and, and, uh, and for our people. A couple of announcements, late-breaking announcements to announce. Cal and Dan Wilkerson's sister, Pam Jones, is in ICU at Baylor, Scott, and White in Fort Worth. Uh, Sandra Wilkinson's brother is in ICU in Longview. Uh, his name is Tracy Moser. Uh, 
You know, there's a lot of a lot of uh, things have happened since all this COVID stuff kind of started, and so you know, I kept trying to think of some words to say, uh, but I I can't. So I turned to the scripture. And so I'd like to read a couple of scriptures before the prayer. In Romans 8, the Bible says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good that, for those that love God. In verse 31 it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? And then verse, starting in verse 37. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created things, including COVID, will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. All of these things will happen, but the one thing that won't happen is the main thing, and that is it will not separate us from God's love that he shows us. Let's pray. Holy God, we come today declaring you as our God. We recognize you as the creator and sustainer of all that has been created. You are the great shepherd who calls each of us by name, who knows what is on our hearts and minds. We confess, Father, that we are a sinful people. We do things that we should not do. We don't do things that we should. We get distracted by the temptation Satan puts before us, and we lose sight of our eternal purpose. We ask that you forgive us and help us to fix our eyes upon you so that we are better equipped to resist the temptations that are placed before us. We thank you, O God, for our salvation through Jesus for his sacrifice on that cruel cross that allows for us to be cleansed of our sins and be able to call, be called children of yours. We thank you for your love for us, for the assurance that no matter what happens, you will be with us and able to sustain us through life's struggles. Father, we ask today that you would be with Pam Jones, Tracy Moser, Tucker Sullivan, Linda Marks, Joyce Stanley, Kobe Chandler, Eleanor McMillan, Rachel Kirkwood, Rayanne and Ava, John Long, and Joanne Perrin. Father, give them healing, peace, and comfort to ease their pain and suffering through these difficult times. Father, we thank you for all that are here today and those online. We pray that your spirit will create in us clean hearts and lift our spirits to motivate us to seek and teach your love to others. Help us to show the love of Christ through our actions toward others. Keep us from doing anything out of selfish ambition. But with pure motives, may we follow Christ and proclaim him as our Savior. We pray that as we worship today, your word would pour into our hearts and minds, strengthening our faith, healing our spirit, and creating a positive attitude within each of us so that we can encourage each other as we go along. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
You know, brethren, the uh, opportunity to lead you in song is an honor and a responsibility that all of our song leaders take very seriously. We have a responsibility to not only lead the songs, but to pick the songs that, or at least we try, to pick songs that relate well to the teaching that we're to receive later from the Word of God. I've intentionally chosen a lot of the old songs this morning because there are a lot of our young people who are losing the great teachings of some of those old hymns. I guess there's a few young people here this morning who will never know the thrill of hearing the song leader say, number 728B. And this next song is an example of that. A great song that all of you know, The Lord's Supper, written by one of our brethren, Tillot S. Tedley, that shockingly is no longer in our songbook. But I know we'll sing it with all of our hearts, and as we sing this, we bring those memories to our minds, and we think about the sacrifice Jesus made. We teach one another, and we teach our young people these great old songs as well. Let's sing together. When we meet in sweet communion, where the feast divine is spread, hearts are brought in closer union, while partaking of the bread, precious feast all class we've been going over love and uh, what that looks like in our lives, what a uh, self-motivated love looks like and what a selfless love looks like, looks like. And obviously that brings us to Christ and what selfless love, what our, what God, how God loves us. And as Christ hung on that cross and he knew our names, each one of us, what selfless love that looks like. If we could look into Christ's eyes at that moment in that pain and see that he's doing it for us individually so that we could have a relationship with our God. 
a love so impacting that it has changed a world. So the love means everything. Without it, behind our actions, it's worthless. So it means everything. We see a love that on the ground, the work that's put in by Christ daily, we see it in in our Bible. What he did for us, how he impacted people at that time, and it still transcends time for us now. It's the love. The Father that loves us so greatly, so richly, that in the end he would give everything for us who fail him to have a life with him later. So when we take the bread and we take the drink, focus your minds on what Christ looked like on that cross. The agony, the pain, humiliation, all the things when he became human for us. Focus your minds on that and that he did it for you individually. That somebody would give everything for you. Then how do we respond? That's what God asks, is that we respond with the same. Will you pray with me? Father God, we are blessed by you immensely. Through all you have, you, you crave a relationship with us, and you show us each and every day. We fail you often, but yet you... You just keep coming. Father, we are blessed by you. We are blessed by you in this moment. And as we focus our minds on Christ at this time and his body and the destruction and the pain, and know you love us so. Father, thank you for for this time and this opportunity that we can reflect back on that. And that we can see what a selfless love looks like. In your name we pray. Through that unending love, pardon me, as the blood came out and washes us clean of a in from what God sees a despicable life a life of failure a life of ugly our hearts seem black in relation to what God is and that blood that washes us clean daily as we seek that relationship blood that just covers us all cloaks us in white. As we focus our mind on that spear piercing the side and the blood running down, again, Christ focused on each one of us, knowing us, truly understanding who we are and what we are. Focus your minds on that moment and bring yourself there in the pain. Pray with me. Father God, again, we are so blessed by you, immersed in your forgiveness. And that way it seems like we turn away and don't pay attention to your love as we should. You just, it it keeps running over us. Father, as as we... Bring ourselves as Christ hung on that cross and the, pier- and the, the side is pierced and that our relationship with you is fulfilled. A relationship that we could never gain without Christ. We are so humbly blessed. So blessed by you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
And as we take this time focused on Christ and a selfless love, I want to read something to you. It's about hope. Hope is an attitude or positive, a hope, I'm sorry, an attitude of positive anticipation. It it not only leads us to look ahead optimistically, but colors our daily life now. We know that God delights in each of us and gives us special work to do. Receiving God's acceptance and affection softens our hearts, and serving him awakens us to the needs and potentials of others. When we are confident of what we hope for, a deeper sense of love is ignited. We'll seek out ways to put our passion and gratitude for God into our action. So as we take this time to give back, reflect on that hope, a hope that we have that may, others may not, a hope that ignites us to do more, to encounter more, to get on a level with people that maybe we, not, we may not feel comfortable with. That hope, whether it be monetary, physical, work, whatever it looks like in each one of our lives, we need to be motivated to do it, to grow that hope, and to bring it back to the kingdom. That's what this opportunity of time is. This church does great things. Each one of y'all do great things. But focus our minds on what Christ did, the people he encountered. And and position yourself in the same, the work that he did, the work that we can do. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the opportunity of this time, the opportunity that we reflect our minds on on your word and on the, the, the life that Christ had, the the map that he laid out before us and what we can be, who we can encounter and how we can make lives better. When our focus is your kingdom, that the love that you have in us and that we reflect that love in others. Father, help us utilize our time. Help us stay on a path of righteousness and, and, and keep our minds focused on you and that we can do greater goods and bring it back to you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Let's think about these wonderful blue skies we've been having while our kids come up for kids' time today. Blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven are what I can see. When my Lord is living in me, I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart. Nevermore will I be all alone since he Promise me that we never would part. Okay, I'm going to need everyone to stand up. Okay, can you stand up? Okay, Mr. Bill's going to stay on my knees so that everybody can see you. Okay, now if you're down here on the floor, that's perfect. I would like for you to be <clears throat> up there on that level or step back a little bit if you're in the very back and stand up on that level where the pulpit is. Can you do that? And everybody needs to spread out a little bit. We need to do a little bit of social distancing here, except today we're doing survival (laughs) distancing. Because remember, my God is so big. Do you remember that song? Okay, so you're going to have to be able to do like this. Are Are you able to do like this without... Hitting someone in the arm or knocking something. Okay, are you good? Okay, let's sing that song. Are you ready? My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are his, the valleys are his, the trees are his handiwork too. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Now, is God big or little? God is big. Can God do everything or not everything? 
He can do everything. That's right. And no matter what else is going on in our lives, we know that our God is so big that there's nothing that he can't do because he created everything. The mountains are his, the valleys, the trees are his handiwork. That means he made them and everything belongs to God. And our God is so big There's nothing that he can't do. And that means he'll take care of you, too. All right, let's go back to our seats or back to our children's worship. I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart. Nevermore will I be all alone since he promised me that we never would part. Well, as Bill said, it's time for our young people to go to their blast class. But the rest of you, if you find it convenient, please stand for the singing of the hymn prior to the, to the lesson today. <coughs> All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him, Lord of Bring forth the royal diadem and Again, welcome to all. Welcome to our good crowd that's gathered here in our auditorium this morning. Also, welcome to all of those who are attending with us and worshiping with us online. I know that includes our Tucker and Elizabeth, and so our hearts and prayers are with you. We are missing you being with us today and look forward to you recovering well and being back with us and so many others uh, that are worshiping with us online because of health concerns, and uh, our hearts go out to you as well. Uh, we have so many wonderful things to be thankful for. What a, what a great blessing to hear Kelly Monahan's announcement earlier and to know that uh, this Saturday night our widows are going to be going on a date. And so are some of our young men. And I'm, I'm just really excited to hear uh, about who's driving on those. But um, I, I'm, I'm great with it. I love it. What a great, great thing. And what a wonderful night and experience that will be uh, for all. I appreciate all who are participating uh, in that. And our wonderful kids up here as they sang that great song, My God is So Big. Um, We're speaking about that wonderful, great, big creator God today. Ken Culpepper shared during our shepherd's prayer time from my favorite chapter in the Bible, Romans chapter 8. And it just reminds us that our God is so big and that there's nothing that he cannot do and that everything that we go through and everything that happens in this world and in this life, in our homes, in our families, in our church, everything, um, he is able to handle. And there's nothing that our great and powerful, big creator God cannot do. And so we're continuing through Isaiah 40 this morning, 
as we've done throughout this month, with this statement is how we begin. As the powerful creator, our God is sovereign over all of creation. Isaiah 40 is a great chapter that affirms that great truth. As the powerful creator, our God is sovereign over all of creation. And there are two main aspects to what we're talking about today, and they're both mentioned in that statement, that our God is the creator. He has made everything, and so everything is his. The mountains, the valleys, the trees, all are his handiwork. All are his, including ourselves. All of humanity is his because he created all of humanity in his very image. And so as the powerful creator, our God is sovereign. Our God is sovereign. That means he is the ruler of rulers, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. There is no one and nothing in this world that is not subject to God. They may recognize it, they may not. They may acknowledge him, they may not. But as the powerful creator, our God is sovereign over all of creation. Isaiah 40 affirms the enduring word of God and the incomparable nature of our God. That's what we've seen in the first two lessons this month from Isaiah 40. Next week, we finish this series, Strength for the Weary, Isaiah 40. And hear how our God constantly renews us, empowering us to soar on wings like eagles. And yes, we finally get to that statement from Isaiah 40 next Sunday. Today, we acknowledge that God alone is sovereign over all, because God alone is the maker of everything. And so first of all today, from Isaiah 40, verses 21 through 24, our God is the ruler of rulers. If you were filling things out ahead of me and you put king of kings there or lord of lords, that's okay. You still get credit. Our God is the ruler of rulers. From Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 21, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown. No sooner do they take root in the ground. Then he blows on them, and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. Do you not know? Have you not heard? (laughs) The rhetorical questions that begin this passage, Isaiah uses those questions a couple of times in Isaiah chapter 40. And it's just a reminder to us of what we already know, and what should never completely leave our consciousness. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Have you not been told this from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded that our God is sovereign? He is the ruler of rulers. He sits enthroned above it all, Isaiah says. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. And in our day, unlike Isaiah's day in the 8th century BC, we've been up high. We've flown before. Many of us have. And you look as you're flying up and and you begin to see that all those people down there are beginning to look just like grasshoppers until you can't see them anymore at all. And yet, however high we go, a 1,000 feet, 30,000 feet, astronauts who have flown into outer space, it can't begin to compare with God's view. As creator, he sees it all. And he sees it from far above all of creation. 
He is the maker. He is the creator. And he is the ruler of rulers. And so verse 23 and 24, he brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. Isaiah acknowledges that there is one sovereign over all of the rulers of mankind on this earth at this moment, and that that's always been the case. That's always been the truth. Earthly rulers come and go. Earthly kingdoms, earthly nations come and go. But our God and the word of God endures forever. He is always there. He has always been there. And he always will be there. And you can't say that about earthly rulers. Even in our own Democratic Republic in the United States of America, we see rulers come and rulers go. Some we like, some we don't like. And no matter how long those earthly rulers last, they won't last forever. And they only last as long as God allows them to last. They're only in power as long as God is okay with them being in power. Because our God is the ruler of rulers. And so there comes a time when he brings the earthly rulers to naught. When he brings earthly kingdoms and earthly nations to no longer exist. They're planted, they're sown, they take root in the ground, and then he blows on them and they wither and they die. Why? Because they're not meant to last forever. They're here for a while, and then they're gone. And God has a purpose for them, nations and rulers, while they exist. But he never intends them to exist forever. And we acknowledge that our God is the ruler of rulers. What a mighty God we serve. Tom Clark's favorite song. What a mighty God we serve. Our God is the ruler of rulers. This came uh, to mind for Isaiah in a very real way at the very beginning of his ministry. He records it in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, and it begins with this, In the year that King Isaiah died. Isaiah living in Jerusalem, Isaiah being very much aware of the things that go on, In the temple, the things that go on in the royal palace, all of those things. And then his king dies. And just like anyone who goes through a transition of power in their nation, I'm sure it brought about a great feeling of insecurity and question. What's the next ruler going to be like? What's the next king going to be like? How is this going to go? Isaiah 6, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, or angels, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the king. No, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Almighty, the whole earth, not just Israel, the whole earth is filled with his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, which to Isaiah's people meant, I'm a leper. I live among lepers, and I have seen the Lord. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. 
Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. We can just imagine what it would be like to actually get to see or meet the President of the United States or some other high official. And Isaiah, living in Jerusalem, understood that. (laughs) But now, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord, the great I Am, the Almighty God. He was the one who was seated on the throne. It was not King Isaiah or any other king that would come after him. But it was the Lord. And I saw him and I saw the angelic beings all around him. Ready to go at a moment's notice. At the bidding of his will. And then I realized I'm a, I, I, I am a dead man. I'm a leper. I live in a nation of lepers. And here I am in the presence of of the Almighty God, the Lord sitting on the throne. And yet he was healed, and yet he was forgiven, and then he was given a charge, a call, a mission. Who will go for us? Who can we send? And the only right response to acknowledging the sovereignty and the greatness of the God of gods, the ruler of rulers, is repentance and worship and mission. Here am I, Isaiah says, send me. As Chad says, in some of our adult classes, we've been talking about love, especially today from 1 Corinthians 13, and it's a very active love. It's a love that does stuff. It's a love that doesn't sit on its hand, but but it's a love that treats others with kindness and respect and in selflessness seeks to help seeks to forgive. Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Why? Because he had a picture and a vision of the one true and living God on the throne. And when we have that vision, when we realize that it is God who is the sovereign, it is God who is the ruler of rulers, it is God who is our ultimate king, we respond in the same way with repentance, with worship, with mission. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, in Moses' day, it records in verse 17, the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome. If you're following along with our daily Bible reading, then you know that that's right where we are right now. We're with Moses and Aaron standing before Pharaoh, challenging him, let my people go. Pharaoh, the most powerful sovereign in the world, was about to get a lesson in how little power and authority he actually had. When you compare him with the ruler of rulers... As we go through those verses, we see time and time again God telling Moses, I'm doing this so that you will know that I am God. I'm doing this so that Pharaoh and all of Egypt will know that I am God. I'm doing this so that everyone in the world I created will know I am God. In Paul's day in 1 Timothy 6, he writes this in verse 15. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. The blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And then two statements in that wonderful, amazing, apocalyptic vision of John in Revelation. First in chapter 17, verse 14, talking about all the enemies of Jesus, all of the ones who are on the earthly thrones. Revelation 17, verse 14, they will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And then in one of the final parts of the vision in chapter 19, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike 
the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter, quoting from Psalm 2. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What a mighty God we serve. The ruler of rulers, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And yet he gave his life for us. In spite of how great and sovereign and ultimate he is, just as Chad shared, he gave everything for us. We serve the same God that Moses served. We serve the same God that Isaiah saw and served. We serve the same God that was there in Paul's day. As he wrote about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we serve that same Lamb, looking as if he had been slain and resurrected now to the ultimate throne, the throne on high, the right hand of the Father. And that same God is God in our day as well. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let even angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Our God is the ruler of rulers. And secondly today, our God is the powerful creator. Why is he the ruler of rulers? Because he made us. He made the strongest and most powerful individuals, rulers, kings, presidents that have ever lived, ever. In Isaiah chapter 40, reading verses 25 and 26. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Can you imagine knowing the names of all the stars? We don't even know all the stars that exist yet. And never will, I think. Much less knowing all their names, and yet our God made them. He knows them. He made each of us, and he knows us. To whom will you compare me, the incomparable God? As we've already seen, there is no equal to the ruler of rulers. Lift up your eyes and take a look at the heavens, God says. And you get a picture, a small window into the greatness of our God. Isaiah in chapter 29, as he tried to convince the people of his day that this God is the ruler of rulers, this God is the creator, this God made us like a potter shapes clay and makes something out of it. He is the God that we should serve. He is the God that we should obey. In Isaiah 29, beginning in verse 13, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Why? Because it can't hold a candle to the wisdom and intelligence and power of our great God. Verse 15, woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? God sees. God knows. And that's why James will write centuries later in James 4, let your plans be with this caveat, if it is the Lord's will. Verse 16, you turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? Isaiah says our God made us. And therefore he has commanded us and called us to live a certain way. A life of confidence, a life of faith, a life of trust, a life of service, a life of love. 
a life of devotion to the word and will of God. Everything else is just lip service, Isaiah says in chapter 29. And it's the term that Jesus would use in Matthew 15 to describe the Jewish leadership of his day. Oh, they say the right things, but their hearts are far from me. It's words, that's all. Words. And that's not enough. That's not enough for the ruler of rulers, for the king of kings, for the lord of lords, for the powerful creator. In Psalm 148, that great psalm that we get a, several of our praise hymns from, Hallelujah, praise Jehovah in the King James Version. Praise the Lord, ye heavens adore him in the NIV. Calling on all of creation all in heaven, all on earth, ultimately mankind themselves to worship and praise the Creator. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at His command they were created. A psalm attributed to Moses in Psalm 90, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. In Psalm 8, David is, is, finds it incredible that as little as we are and as vast and great as God is, yet he has allowed us to be in charge of everything here on earth. And the writer of Hebrews takes that and applies it to Jesus Christ, but in a completely different way. When he says, as great as God is, as little as humanity is, yet God became human made himself even lower than the angels, emptied himself, Paul's words in that great second chapter of Philippians. We know that our God is the powerful creator. Genesis 1 and 2, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was active in creation and then the word became flesh and lived for a while among us. Colossians 1 praises Jesus as the creator. John 1 does the same. That should change everything about us, that there is a creator, that our God is that powerful creator. And because of that, he is the ruler of rulers. And so the belief that our God is the King of kings and the creator of all changes everything. It changes everything. This belief that our God is the King of kings and the creator changes everything. Now I I realize I don't call my own shots. I look to the one who made me and will follow him and his will in all. I will acknowledge that I am the clay pot, that he alone is the potter. And so therefore he has made me and he has called me to live to his glory and according to his will. The belief that our God is the king of kings and the creator of all changes everything, everything. And it gives us, first of all, direction and purpose. It gives us direction and purpose. Why? Because the clay pot looks to the potter and asks, how am I supposed to live? It gives us direction and it gives us purpose. It gives us a mission. Our purpose is no longer to get what I can get and to make sure everything is possible can go my way and can be like I want. That's no longer our purpose. Our purpose and our mission is to love and to serve, just as he came to love and to serve and to save. It's that same message that we take. Here am I, send me. When we see God on the throne, when we acknowledge and recognize that our God is ruler of rulers, that he is the powerful creator, we won't have any trouble volunteering For whatever task that great creator God has for us. 
The belief that our God is the King of kings and the creator of all changes everything. It gives us direction and purpose, but it also gives us assurance and peace. And we can find that nowhere else today. And mankind has never been able to find that anywhere else. This is not the first generation that has uh, folded our hands and wondered how we're going to survive and will we ever get through this? Every generation has thought that at one time or another. And they've sought to find that assurance and peace in something man-made, and it would never happen. That can only come from our great God, who is the King of kings, the ruler of rulers, the Lord of lords, and the creator of all. And that gives us assurance and peace. All hail the power of Jesus name. What a mighty God we serve to God be the glory. This morning, if you need help in your relationship with that great creator God, the ruler of rulers, come as we stand and sing our song together. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us blessings that we've been reminded of this morning from your precious word, that we serve a God who is the King of kings, the ruler of all rulers. And because of your sovereignty and your wonder, Lord, we have a purpose in this life, a reason to get up every morning, whether we're young or old, to place our feet on the ground knowing we have a work to do, to share the bread of life and the water of life with those that are around us. Forgive us, God. Oh, God, so forgive us when we've thought more of ourselves than we should. For we realize and recognize that you are the creator of all things. And yet you sent your precious son to die for us, your created beings. Unworthy are we. And yet we confess as a congregation, all together, Lord, that you are worthy of our praise and the great king of all kings. And the church said, in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.